Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. That's pretty incredible. In fact, it's La Marvelous. Thank you guys. All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Monday, December 28th. My name is Jake Luke. And I'm joined by Spencer Schultz on a night in which the Baltimore Ravens officially control their own destiny. They are back in charge, ladies and germs. The Baltimore Ravens have resurged from six and five all the way to ten and five. Backs against the wall. COVID be damned. Steve Saunders be damned. Des Bryant, COVID bullshit be damned. Lamar Jackson hate be damned. You know, Greg Roman hate be damned. Took a while. Was, you know, <laughs> everybody was in a panic following that Dolphins game. And ultimately, COVID, uh, <laughs> COVID struck against the Ravens. COVID struck for the Ravens. Hopefully, everyone's not sick or anything of the sort. I don't mean to put it that way. But the, the hammer swung back the other way. The pendulum has recoiled against the Browns. They can't take down the New York Jets, J-E-T-S. And the Steelers have an all-time comeback resurgence to take the division. And there was a brief period of time where it was about two minutes and 20 seconds left in the Browns-Jets game where I was like, never mind, never mind, never mind, lose, go Indy, go, go Indy, go, uh, just to get Pitt back into their turmoil. But they might be emerging out of a dark period the same way the Ravens had to. And at the end of the day, Baltimore Ravens looking like they're going to go 11-5. and five make the playoffs for the third straight year and, you know, all freaking roses right now. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the, I guess starting off with those other games a little bit. So it kind of feels like uh, it felt like at least for me, I don't know about you or like what any of the listeners feel about this, but I was doing just as much scoreboard watching and like paying attention to those other games as I was with the Ravens, particularly after that first drive where, Lamar and the offense slice and dice their way through those giant, the Giants defense. They couldn't have made it look any easier opening touchdown to Hollywood Brown. They burn seven minutes off the clock and it's like, okay, like, you know, we predicted a frisky game. Like we don't want to get too cute here and like count our chickens before they are, you know, hatched. But man, that couldn't have been a more picture perfect opening. So I'm starting to look around 
And then there's there's basically no update. So the first update you get is that touchdown that the Colts score to open up the game in Pittsburgh, and it's like, Quick. Uh, it's, yeah, it like, oh yeah. As soon as the Ravens scored, the Colts scored. It's like, oh fuck, here we go, here we go. And then just out of nowhere, just a bolt from the blue, Jamison Crowder hits fucking Braxton Berrios of all people on a, a wide receiver pass. Oh, I love Jamison Crowder. Me Big too. Jameson Crowder guy. He the Ravens uh, looking to it, looking to signing up at some point. Um, <laughs> but. That was the first thing where it was like, okay, like, feels like the Steelers aren't aren't going to get it done here today. Are we going to have to be putting our all our chips down onto the uh, the the Jets side of the equation here? Which even after that big play, it's kind of like, okay, this is maybe a little Teflon. Like the Jets aren't on the same stratosphere as the Browns, and I think that's still true even right now. And I think that was true even with the Browns and their COVID situation with their wide receivers. I think the the Brownies should have won today. They let one really slip through their grasp, and it's unfortunate. But uh, a lot of scoreboard watching and that opening touchdown to Braxton Berrios. So it was like, okay, like is this going to open up the floodgates? And it kind of did because the Browns were not able to hang with them at all. Then the Steelers game kind of goes quiet for a little bit, and then all of a sudden they kind of start to charge their way back into it. So there was this really frenetic energy where I, in the second half, I was paying more attention to those other games, or at least trying to, I think, then the Ravens game, a uh, great effort by Andre Luke today to hop onto the remote and uh, do a ton of fucking with like the time and like doing, he likes to like rewind and like check out the cover two defense and like miss tackles and stuff. Yeah. He's a Re- big a regular uh, Baldy. Yeah. He's a big fundamentals guy. So Andre we, Baldy Luke. yeah, we were doing a lot of, a lot of analysis of, uh, you know, the, the Tampa two or whatever he was calling it. I don't, I don't, I don't think any of it was correct, but uh, that's where we were at. And uh, it was, it was a weird viewing experience, but uh, a pleasant one ultimately. It was. The Ravens were methodical. They open up. They hit the perimeter, as we discussed in the pregame. The Giants have these thick body, you know, defensive linemen up front, and they use that that twenty personnel, that twenty one personnel, the pony package, the uh, the two horses, Gus and Dobbins, who were both fantastic. Holy shit! What a Gus Edwards game. This was Gus Edwards' best game, best game of his career. It feels like, and they. Uh, were creative early. They were decisive. Lamar was cooler than the cooler than a cooler. Shout out to my jeweler and able to hang in the pocket. Hollywood Brown working open in the end zone has become a theme of his. Finding space, working with Lamar, uh, as well as Des Bryant, who scored later on in this game. But the Giants had three plays in the first quarter. Three plays in the first quarter. Ravens marched down the field twice and handle business. You know, stick it to the Giants' offense, put them behind the eight ball, force them to be uncomfortable. And they didn't get anything going until um, until Justice Hill finally kind of gave them a little bit of life. And they had resemblance resemblance of a ball game at one point late in the game. But the Ravens did a fantastic job today, especially in the first half. They started to unwind a little bit in scoreboard watch, it felt like, as we all were. It was just hard not to when the Browns are losing to the Jets the entire game, essentially. And, you know, the Jets uh, afforded the Browns several opportunities to come back into that game. They did. There's miss the Browns blocked a kick, and there was a missed extra point, I believe, and then another missed extra point. And the Jets are repetitively throwing the ball in third and one and not completing it and then punting the ball. Uh, Focusati, Focolati, whatever his name is, the, the Jets' interior defensive lineman, two roughing the passer penalties. Uh, the, the Browns had all sorts of opportunities to win that game. Of course, they were shorthanded in the wide receiver department, but Baker Mayfield, a mega, as you like to say, mega tough scene. It was. He, uh, Baker's a guy who, like, the camera loves him and, like, that helps him when things are going well and when things are not going well. 
some of those reaction shots are pretty tough. And the one today of him like sitting on the bench just with his head just draped down, that sums up the Cleveland Browns football experience in the 21st century. And uh, listen, they can still get in. You know, they, they got to take on Pittsburgh at home next week. I feel like that's going to be maybe their play-in game. So they still got a shot here. But man, that is a tough one to drop. Mega tough scene for our friends in Cleveland. And I do like, listen, I, I feel for them a little bit. I feel for the players with the situation that went on with COVID and everything. And obviously that had They're to, a kid brother. They're the kid brother. Yeah. And like some of their fans are like kind of assholes. And like some of them I think are a little bit like, obviously we're friends with like Mark and some other people that are, you know, a little they more. Have some of the, they have some of the most, you know, lovely fans that are very meta and insightful and things of that sort. And then they also have like the new age OBJ fan type. Yeah. And like the, the, the young, the young hot rods. Yeah. And it's like a weird dynamic where like, kids that are like our age are like bitching at us about like the move. And it's like, okay, well, none, neither of us were really like alive or conscious when that happened. So like, you can probably calm down with that stuff a little bit, but you know, that happened to us and we complain about it. So it's, it's, it's just a funny, interesting dynamic, the shared history between the two teams often bubbling up when you kind of least expect it. But I did like, I, I, I've been saying this a lot and I think, uh, I will again give Baker credit for going to the podium today and like facing the music and saying like, no, you're not going to blame these guys who got called up today. Like they, they did their best. It's, it's on me. So credit to him for that. But like, I mean, he fucking fumbled twice to yeah. lose the game. Yeah. I mean, he did lose the game and, uh, credit to him for putting it on, putting it on himself, but he's, he's got to go out there and really bounce back against the Steelers next week because if they're not in the playoffs after they looked following that Tennessee game, that's that I don't know. Like, they went 0-16, so it's hard to say that's like the the valley of like the however many valleys they've been through recently. But that's gonna be tough if they were, you know, at one point ten and four, looking like a potential, maybe even a team that could vie for the Super Bowl and potentially on the outside looking into the playoffs. Everyone was saying pretty similar to the Titans last year. You know, we I talked a lot about the similarities between those offenses and uh they've they've got a couple playmakers on that defense, but just not enough in their secondaries. You know, they are missing, what, Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit, who they drafted, who would be a guy I was really high on and would give them a lot of range on the back end. So they've got freaking Sendejo, who make football violent again, gets laid the hell out and plays like crap all the time for the most part. Not an ideal back end guy at all. More of a, you know, box, rough and tumble, whatever. And Ronnie Harrison missing time as well. But they ultimately get the chance to be the team that gets the monkey off the back. If they can go 11 and five, you know, get into the playoffs next week. Uh, they beat the, they have the head to head against the Colts. They beat the Colts as well. So that's that final seed. And the Ravens have head to heads on both of them. Obviously if the Ravens win, they're in, if the Colts want to dismiss that bad mojo, that bad juju that looms over the Cleveland, you know, sports franchises aside from LeBron essentially. And, uh, I guess the Indians have resurged, but basically, I guess just now at this point, the Browns, if they want to get the the bad 20 years stretch off their back right now, go to Pittsburgh or is that in Pittsburgh? It's in Cleveland. Maybe it's in Cleveland, but go, it is, wherever yeah. it is, go take care of business, run the football. Baker needs to play well. I guess the Steelers have a little bit to play for, but not a ton. It's and seeding, yeah. It's, you're either the two or the three, and there's no home field advantage for the two this year. So I think I would think the Steelers are going to give it some effort, but I'm not totally sure, especially with the way Ben's arm has been looking recently, how much you really want to pour into that one heading into the playoffs. Right, and the other problem is just that the Steelers waxed them the same way that the Ravens did early on. So 
that kind of hangs over you. And and the Steelers seem to really have the Browns number and have for quite some time. So it's it's kind of like a nightmare scenario for the Browns. I don't feel bad for them. Uh, I don't care. I don't feel bad for them. They, you know, get anointed as this Super Bowl front runner kind of for like a two-week stretch because they – I don't even know. They they beat, they beat the Titans. That's what happened. And then that propelled them into like, oh, maybe this team can hang with Kansas. No, they're not going to hang with, with the top dogs. I don't feel bad uh, for the people in Cleveland that are saying that and like the jackass Browns fans that I already mentioned. But like, I, like I've been saying, like I do give credit to the roster for just shutting up and going about their business, which they did not do last year. This year, so. they have been humbled for sure, especially Baker, all those guys. OBJ goes down. You know, they've had Miles Garrett out. They've had Denzel Ward out. So I appreciate that sentiment for sure. Yeah. So that's really the only thing I'm saying about it. Like, I, you know, whatever Cleveland fan X that like videotapes himself pissing on Art Modell's grave and like doing whatever with an Ed Reed jersey, he can go fuck himself. But like the, the guys on that roster, I think most of them are solid dudes. The homegirls, I'm not a huge fan of at the moment, but uh, the rest of them, I, I, you know, my heart goes out a little bit after that. But uh, that's just me. I'm a big softie. I feel you, and it, uh, I mean, it, it just, the cookie crumbled, finally. And a lot of doomsday scenarios for Ravens fans were starting to play out, and people were getting, you know, up in arms about, you know, is this team, you know, what what's why didn't this team finish against the Titans, and yada, 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 yada. And ultimately, you know, just as we said, does the Browns losing make the Ravens season more or less successful? No. They, you know, go 11-5, and five, you can't ask for a lot more. And they're rewarded for it. You know, fortunately, they're not on the shit end of that stick. Uh, if they do go 11-5, and five, if they go 11-5, and five, they're in the postseason. And people spoke about adversity last year. The, the buy, the, you know, they rest five starters against the Steelers and then end up subbing a bunch more out in week 17. Have the bye, have the one seed for the first time in franchise history. The Titans come to town, whoop their ass a little bit, beat them up, punch them in the mouth, and... Ravens, you know, a lot of fans are like, oh, they just coasted into the playoffs. Well, they did not coast into the playoffs this time. However, the Ravens have not lost in December since 2017 at this point. I'm sorry, say that again. The Ravens haven't lost a game in December since, I believe, 2017. Not since Lamar took over, I think. Or maybe he just lost one game, maybe? He lost to the Chiefs, and I can't recall if that was in December. I think it that was because it was like been. the near. It was right near the end of 2018, so I think that was in the one December loss that he's had. So they have been finishing well, and like we said, you know, they have that kind of that aberration that 14 and two year. Yeah, it was December 9th. So the last time the Ravens lost in December was December 9th, 2018, and they. You know, start hot. Ravens five and two this year. It's 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 the John Harbaugh experience, and it is what it is. It it feels like they're back in the 2009 to 2012 phase. In ways, they start hot, bum out. They really hit the valley in the middle of the season in October and in November, and then they finish hot. I don't know what it is, man. Harbaugh is able to get the job done in December, aside from a couple of devastating, you know, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh losses throughout his tenure in Baltimore. I don't know what it is about this team, but they really step up when it gets cold out. The Ravens have been running the ball at a prolific rate and handle business, and you can't ask for much more. Lamar Jackson wears the T-shirt that says finish. Last year it was, you know, Super Bowl this, Super Bowl that, uh, big trust, woo-woo, blah, 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 blah. They hunkered down. They went back to pounding the rock. They got exotic and multiple and variable in their running game. The passing game is getting everyone involved. 
that Giants defense is not a bad unit. The Ravens ran for 155 yards in the first half. They're extremely successful in third down situations. They uh, had a wide array of different looks on first down to try and, you know, they had some jet sweeps. They had some play action. They had different backs doing different things. Lamar didn't, you know, have to use his legs a ton, but ends up doing so when needed, which is ultimately what you want from him. He's decisive in the red zone. It was, it was a great day for the Ravens. This was one of the best days of watching football as a Baltimore Ravens fan in a long time. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, you don't score 30 points, but, like, it just everything felt just like a well-oiled machine out there. They just went out there and just did what they had to do in every phase. Wow. Judon had a massive game. All these guys are stepping up. Like, Boykin made a nice play or two. Hollywood, another nice game for him. He's slowly stacking them up. you got to give him a ton of credit. J.K., again, he's that horse that they're going to ride down the stretch. He's doing an awesome job. Gus, fuck it. Like, you mentioned it already, but, like, that guy is – not only just that kind of straight, you know, straightforward kind of stand-up runner. The guy's, like, making plays in the passing game. He's looking physical as shit. Another good game for Mark Andrews. Offensive line looked good. Lamar looked good, obviously. Good pocket manipulation from today. I think an underrated aspect of his game that really stood out. Dez sure. with the touchdown. Just an absolutely 100% complete performance in which they left points on the board. Like, this could have been way worse, weirdly. It could have, and... The Gus fumble at the end kind of takes the exclamation point off of it in the, the fumbled exchange. Uh, I actually did not see that one. I think I was watching other games at that no, point. No, neither did I. That was another Andre special. He's flicking around, which I couldn't really blame him at that point. But Love to hear it. This was the third time since 19, since I think since the merger, that a team has had three players run for 75 yards or more each. Edwards finishes 15 for 85. Jackson, 13 for 80. Dobbins, geez, Jackson actually had 13. Uh, Dobbins, 11 for 77. Edwards reels off a 32-yarder. Lamar with a 20-yarder, I think, on a scramble. And J.K. Dobbins with a 25-yard rush. <sighs> tough, 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 tough. J.K. Dobbins does end up with that chest injury, and I hope that's not severe. You know, chest makes you think possibly broken ribs or uh, something like that. Maybe just had the wind knocked out of him, and they're like, let's, let's put him on ice. We got this one in the bag. But I kind of have predicted that Mark Ingram might end up making a playoff appearance and having – what we've talked about, fresh legs, because he has not been used. He's been able to work on himself, take it easy. The veteran, you know, the the experienced one. But at this point, I mean, Gus Edwards has played in two playoff games. And to and that point, like, you wouldn't totally blame Ingram for checking out a little bit, but apparently, like, he's down there even, like, he's not even dressed, and he's, like, running up to Dez and, like, celebrating with him after he scores. Like, I fucking love Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram is the man, plain and simple. He is the classic final home, the, the final couple holes of a career where the Ravens sign him as after he's kind of not appreciated like he should be perhaps. And usually it's wide receivers, but the Ravens have done that on the defensive side of the ball as well. Ingram's a great mentor. Tweeted a couple of days ago. You see him in Camara when you're watching the Saints game, they are doing like a film sesh thing, chopping it up. And Camara's talking about how instrumental Ingram was for his him and his development. What do you see uh, J.K. Dobbins immediately saying? He's like, that is my big brother. When I'm 30 here, it's 38, 39, 40 years old, and I'm out of football, I'm going to be calling him. I'm going to be asking him questions as a man, not just as a football player. So an outstanding person in Mark Ingram and have to give him respect. And he's heated way for those two younger dudes to do dynamic things. And, you know, they are averaging over five yards a carry. Each of them, Gus Edwards, 5.7 today. Dobbins, seven yards a carry, 11 for 77. And the running game really led the way. They were efficient when they needed to be. 
And the pass rush really just came alive for the Ravens in the, I guess, second and third quarter, it seemed like, if I recall correctly. Chris Board ends up with a pair of sacks. We see Mad Dog, Justin Matabuike, ending up with a beautiful two-hand swipe, getting quick pressure. Daniel Jones kind of almost stayed up, but he ends up having his knee touch the ground. Uh, then what, McPhee and Judon with sacks. Ravens finished with six, ultimately. So just an all-around team effort. Devin Duvernay making plays on special teams, a couple nice kick returns, a couple nice punt returns. Uh, Andrew's making plays, man. Every, everybody was clicking. And this Giants team is not a joke uh, like some of the other teams that they might have played this year. And while their record doesn't indicate that, they have a stout unit. They've given people problems. They beat Seattle. They really stymied Seattle's offense, who has been struggling. But the Ravens simply took care of business and were rewarded for it. Yeah, I feel like if uh, Joe, uh, Joe Judge gets himself a a little bit more functional quarterback than Daniel Jones at some point, I, I'd keep an eye out on him as a, uh, a good head, head coaching uh, sort of figure here as we move forward. Cause I, I do like what I've seen from this team. I think a lot of it is a credit to him and sort of his ability to bring culture. A lot of people, you know, it's been said and like, I, I don't know. I feel like we kind of lose it right around this time of year when like the head coaching interviews start up, but like, why does every year it has to be like the top offensive and the top defensive coordinators and nobody else is the head coaching candidates. And like, I, you know, there are plenty of guys that are, that do fall into those categories that deserve to be interviewed and potentially deserve to get jobs. But like, look outside the box a little bit, people. That's all I'm asking. Absolutely. You want guys that are a part of successful coaching trees and that have been able to run a group of some to some degree successfully that are emerging, that have energy, that are trying to, you know, print a name for themselves. And and Joe Judge got a lot of bad, bad press in the offseason for saying something about how they wanted, you know, like Daniel Jones thudded or whatever. It was a lot of noise, but those guys seem to love him. And that's a, a feisty football team. And like you said, you know, we mentioned earlier, Jones is coming in cold. He's had a hamstring injury, an ankle injury. We didn't see him extend plays a ton. He did move in the pocket a few times decently well, but the Ravens confused him. They got a couple of false starts out of it. They, they had that, Offensive front, really confused. A lot of free rushers, a lot of free pressure, different alignments, different fronts. I thought we were going to see uh, some more basic coverage. No, sir. Anthony Averett played his tail off today. He does, did end up letting up a touchdown on uh, kind of like a – it was just like a, in the end zone and, and who was it? Shepard played leverage well and kind of broke outside against him after he initially came inside. And uh, that was a tough one, but Averett – I mentioned him in the little pregame show we did today as, as someone to look out for. Made a couple huge plays, like three huge plays, a couple pass breakups. Uh, play of the game, I'm going to give to the, the the guys in the white and black, the referees, picking up a flag against Marlon Humphrey. I know that you loved that one. They got that one right. Humphrey textbook breaks across the ball right around the end zone, the one-yard line, something like that. Yeah, it was and, like in the paint, I think. Right, and the, the flag gets thrown. You look at the replay, Humphrey is arm around the waist. He does not alter the receiver's path. He does not prevent the receiver from catching the ball at all. Cross his face, slaps it away. Uh, he played well today. I thought he was a little bit more calm in coverage, which we talked about him kind of getting frantic in his footwork. Him and Chuck Clark both have been really grabby and a little erratic down the field, it felt like, in the, in the past month or two, or I guess month. And we saw a couple deep balls. Chuck Clark played a hell of a game. I mean, who didn't play well for the Ravens today? Patrick Queen actually did not play too well, but uh, almost had a, a sack or two, stuff. I think. But what did you say? Almost had a sack or two, I think. Queen. Yeah, he missed two. Uh, he also missed a very bad tackle against Wayne Gallman. 
Deshaun Elliott comes in like a jungle cat to go clean it up. Oh, yeah, he, he got hurt, hurt on that play. Yeah, that's tough. He's holding his arm, which makes you think, hmm, well, he broke his forearm a couple years ago. That's not great. And then like three plays later or something, maybe it was a different drive actually, but Marlon Humphrey looked like he was holding his knee, comes back in the game, makes plays. That was whew, a scary, scary moment for a second there. To that point, I mean, we, we've touched on it, and you mentioned Ingram maybe having a big role in the postseason Kyle has mentioned, uh, who is in the chat here, uh, calling us nerds. So fuck you, Kyle. But a great point by you in that uh, Ingram could have himself a a big week 17 and pop off against the Bengals. And if Ingram goes for, and if Ingram goes for a hundred and I think a hundred or two touchdowns and the Ravens make the playoffs, he has to do three consecutive shots of pop off. So I think next week could be that big Ingram week where, Maybe if this injury with JK is uh, something a little more serious, you just kind of rest him, maybe, you know, spell him a little bit more, get Ingram in there, let him eat against a, uh, a weak Bengals defense, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, let's see, uh, let's see a Justice Hill-Mark Ingram game. We haven't gotten that one yet. Yeah, we really haven't. Uh, shouts to Justice Hill for absolutely uh, bodying that punter's uh, <laughs> nads today. That was There it. was no reason that he didn't block that. He just simply didn't block it. He, he like, literally did everything. Like it was like the gun scene in uh, Dumb and Dumber, where he shoots entirely. He shoots a frame around him, like in the wall. It's just like great aim, great aim, bro. But like great he, aim, justice. Yeah, great he aim. just like went entirely. He just like went fucking anamorphs and went around the ball and like nailed the guy right in the nuts. You and gotta like, dive at the ball, man. You gotta go up and create a large frame that occupies more space. So you can block the dang ball. If you're, if you're just listening to this podcast, I was just stretched out like a freaking kitty cat. That's why my voice faded. Uh, but they, it was, it was shocking. The Ravens have back to back to back sacks. Yeah. They went full Amansky back to back to back. Shout out to Tom Amansky back to back to back champs. Back to back to back. And Giants got some life after that, but the Ravens were able to shut it down, take care of business. Uh, fun win. A little tiny bit stressful, just a little tiny bit in the second half. You're like, hmm, this kind of feels like the Eagles game just a little bit. Yeah, it was that play that really kind of spurred it on, I think, because it was like, ah, fuck, like, here we go. Like, they literally just did the Amansky with the sacks, and, like, that, that was going to be kind of the sequence that won the game for them, and all of a sudden they're right back in it. But, uh, yeah, overall, I, I think I was way more – even in – like the second half, I was way more stressing over Sam Darnold and you know what whatever the fuck Eric Ebron, Eric Enron was doing up in up in the Three Rivers. Uh, so yeah, an in, in interesting football viewing day. One of my most unique in a long time. Yes, the only qualms I had with the Ravens today were were one of the usual ones. They don't get to the damn line, especially in the red zone. And for some reason, Lamar Jackson doesn't call timeouts either. It's like this chain of command where it feels like Harbaugh is the only one with the authority to call a timeout and guys rushing up to the line. Uh, I did not like that they tried to get a playoff before the end of the half. I think you just take the points there while you're up. And, uh, you know, what if Mark Andrews pops that ball up in the air? Why do that instead of just take the field goal? But other than, you know, they had a couple of delay games, illegal formations as a result of not getting the freaking plays in. Thought that was over with. It is not. Uh, won't get into that now. Won't get into that now. But let's get into this mailbag. We got a bunch of questions, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not sure if you did one on Twitter. You want me to just get an IG? I did do one on Twitter, but if you want to start, you go ahead. All right, let's do it. So the first one comes from Kogi Berra. 
It feels nice. It nice how it feels like every week, Ravens just chip away at their weaknesses. This week was the pass rush. That's actually pretty good insight. I like that. Uh, Things that present problems other than what I mentioned about the timing of getting to the line of scrimmage offensively. Yeah, they do chip away at things. The same problems don't seem to occur for a long period of time, like throughout the entire season, especially kind of within the position groups. You know, the, the receivers have stepped up a lot lately. Miles Boykin has a big catch, has a big block, also gets a penalty on the block, if I recall correctly. Uh, but he's making the most of his limited opportunities, things like that. So that's a, a definitely a good point. And the Ravens' pass rush was awesome this week. They created a ton of problems. In terms of just the Giants getting a hat on a hat, there were f- at least five free rushers at different points throughout this game. Yeah, I think uh, I would caution against looking at it as some sort of linear thing where it's like they solve one problem, then another problem, then another problem, and then all of a sudden they're all solved and they're, you know, galaxy brain heading into the playoffs. Or some of these problems are going to maybe bubble back up and buck their heads in different ways, but I do think that is a good way of looking at it, especially with the sort of way we were talking about when they were winning games early in the season, but like it didn't look 100% perfect and sort of one of our main tenets that we kept coming back to is that they were working on problems in the passing game and kind of preparing themselves for moments like this, I think that is a uh, another sort of frame of reference uh, as to that point. So I do I do like that. Yeah, it shows that they self-scout. They know what the issues are and are proactive in trying to solve them. And you can't ask for more in any profession. You can't ask for more than being able to be introspective and honest and unbiased. Uh, your own, the harshest critic should be yourself. And that way you can improve and you can have those honest conversations. Very meta there. But moving on, our boy Eric Jacobs, underscore real estate if you need a home he's got you covered he's doing open houses every week much to my chagrin but check him out damn our boy eric jacobs any insight on the safeties not much said about them all year seem just as solid if not better than 19 very solid uh they don't have a lot of low points they're consistently in the right places chuck clark has had a few issues in coverage deshaun elliott is never targeted it, it feels like there's never uh, a deep ball on him ever, like ever, ever, ever. Teams don't really hurt the Ravens over top. That's a testament to them as well as those cornerbacks. But I think they overall do a, a really strong job. Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott are also, I might go with the word elite in terms of, of run filling. Deshaun Elliott, there's been games, and I think today is honestly one of them where he is really the – I guess you can throw Marlon Humphrey in there too, but he is the alpha male in terms of ending plays at times where it's like mm, a broken tackle, a guy has a little bit of an angle. Oh no, Deshaun Elliott comes in and closes it and ends it. Uh, that's something that people didn't love about Earl Thomas while he was awesome in coverage, really smart in coverage. But those guys come down and fill against the run crazy well considering some of the issues the Ravens have at times with Patrick Queen and you know uh, with Clays Campbell being hurt and different things. So those guys are... are finishers uh, and just in terms of the run, the pass ending plays, getting guys on the ground for the most part, AJ Brown kind of scorns you there, but uh, yeah, they're not out of place. You don't really end up seeing a lot of negative out of them. It's pretty quiet performances. They're not targeted a ton. I think they have one combined interception. If I'm not mistaken, I think Chuck Clark has one. He's had, I think he's had a couple called back by penalties, but yeah, I think he, it's probably only the one between the two of them. Yeah. But Interceptions are often, you know, I mean, Marlon Humphrey, not a huge interception guy, but overall in his career, been really strong coverage. Jimmy Smith, I think maybe one year of four, one year of five, and 
not more than that. A very strong coverage guy. The Ravens have no interceptions this year. Yeah, no interceptions. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at Chuck's page right now. That's tough. Does he have none? Yeah, no, he's zero. Yeah, him and Elliott are both at zero. Elliott had that drop against the Eagles. I think only four Ravens have an interception. I believe it's Bowser, Peters with six combined, Humphrey, and I can't remember the other one. Someone else has one. That's escaping me. It's but, different uh, different from last year in that regard. I felt like they were, I mean, they're still opportunistic with the fumble forcing, but it feels uh, a little bit different. Like Peters isn't doing house calls nearly as much. Part of that is due to his health recently. But Marlon not getting targeted, kind of not really, you know, getting the opportunities that he got. He gets, tar- he gets targeted a lot. He just plays through the catch point. Okay, I see. What you, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see. I, I see. What you I think he's one of the most targeted players in football. Actually, Tavon Young also a sneaky a guy that would get interceptions here and there. So he's not in there. It's yeah. LJ like, Fort had a couple called back. Patrick Queen has dropped. Patrick Queen is the other. He one has one team. Queen. Uh, Patrick Queen has dropped at least two. I remember the Eagles one. <sighs> there was another one he dropped, but they uh, haven't had a ton of picks. But in regards to the safeties. The fact that you don't have a lot of negative to say about them kind of speaks to how they've performed this year. It's that's why, I mean, solid performance. that's why they're out there. They're the safety valve. You don't want to have to use them. So I think, uh, especially like with a guy like Chuck, like just being that kind of traffic cop and like being the, the communicator of the defense is sort of his role. Elliot, he's like, I guess he's hypothetically supposed to be your free safety, but safeties are so multiple in 2020. It doesn't really matter anyway. Get a little bit of if a... You're not, if you're not an elite, like, range guy like Jesse Bates, Justin Simmons, then you're then you're in a defense where you rotate and guys have different roles. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like Deshaun Elliott is like hypothetically he's supposed to be like that free safety guy. But like for me, he's kind of like souped up to Juan Landry vibes, which like I like that a lot. Absolutely. And Chuck Clark has kind of gotten dunked on Tony Jefferson style a couple times this year. Some tough scenes against some tight ends and uh, a couple pass interferences and things, but responds really well, and it never it never uh, snowballs into a, a huge poor performance of a game. Uh, not great insight, but there is one game I think he did consistently a little bit struggle, but they've they've kicked it off. John Elliott's first year as a starter, I don't have anything bad to say. He has kind of been around the ball, and feels like him and Marcus Peters might not always be on the same page. And there's kind of some throws and some single high cover three stuff where. Balls end up in the end zone, and and Deshaun Elliott always has like a super disappointed look, and he's like looking at the corner, and you can kind of tell like, mm, kind of look like the corner's supposed to have responsibility, but yeah, he um, does seem to like he seems on. to play with a purpose, which is like you don't really see that with young guys, especially often, and especially like you got to commend him for that, and the fact that like he didn't think he was going to be a starter until like the second week of August, so mm-hmm. ton of credit to him. until Earl gets cut and. Yeah, goes to show the team had his back. Team wanted him, so they knew what they had in him. And he does. He plays with a ton of confidence. That's a good point. But moving on, enjoy slurms. One win away, gents. Also, Justice Hill should be running hills all week for such a dumb penalty. That's just <laughs> how he plays. That's just how he plays on special teams. Like he plays with his fucking hair on fire out there. Which is but like, he didn't on that. He didn't though. That was such a hesitant rep. It was. I don't know. Like yeah, I. Th- I. I don't know. Like he. He plays he like a madman. Like if he's never on fire, he would have fucked that punter up and and block the kick. Uh, like, yeah, okay, let him let him run hills, do whatever. Like, I just no, it's, he's, this. I feel like that's it's a, a tough kind of rep. Thing where you're 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 in the film room, you got the laser pointer going, you know, it's dark. They make a joke out of it. Everybody exactly. Everybody's got their seeds in, whatever they're doing. Coach has a lip in, and you just play it back a couple times, and people start laughing. The coach is just like, 
It's a what hard knocks fuck, or all man? or nothing scene. He, the coach is like up there, total football guy. He's like got a shaved head and he's it's like, like a John Gruden scene. He's spitting like, into a cup. Justice, man, what the heck are we doing over here, man? Yeah, it's like, let me tell you something, guys. You're going to be running laps around the field, you know, extra if I see this kind of bullshit out of you, Hill, again. They call you justice. Well, there ain't too much that's just about this play, man. Exactly. A tough scene for so, our guy Gruden. Too. He's like you said though, he's made some good plays on special teams. He wasn't, I don't I don't know. I don't think he was a huge special teams guy at OK State. Uh feels like they wanted to use his athleticism and, and just get him on the field, get him comfortable in case they need him. And I think that paid off well. We saw what he could do against the Steelers offensively a bit. And I feel like the special teams play translates. So hopefully that's just an uh a one play thing, an outlier, and and doesn't end up ailing him in any way. Because I, I'm a big Justice Hill guy. I have, uh, I have a lot of love for Justice Hill. Yeah, I think it's fine. Like, he made a mistake. That's okay. It, w- it was, you know, relatively big in the moment. But, you know, he'll learn from it. He wasn't the only one who fucked up today. There's lots of penalties, lots of dumb stuff. Uh, D-Dogs, D-Dugs, 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 I think. Or D-D-O-O-G-S, whatever it is. First sack for Mataboyke. Not a question, just hype. You guys know how hype I am. I've been in love with what I've seen from Justin Mataboyke the last three weeks, four weeks. Uh, he had a strong game against Indy as well. Getting interior pressure as a rookie in the trenches, it is a beautiful thing. Interior pressure wins games. If you can consistently, from your your one tech or your zero tech, your three techs, your five techs, those guys, or I guess just three techs, if those guys can win against guards and centers and force the quarterback off their spot, you win football games, plain and simple. Seeing him with the handwork, the get off, all of those things. It's a culmination. Feels like the football gods rewarded him for uh, how much he's developed this year. And he is playing at a high level. It is, <laughs> they're really just peaking overall as a team. Des Bryant getting involved in the red zone at the right time. Hollywood getting back on track at the right time. J.K. Dobbins getting hot. Lamar playing calm. Like the offensive line comes together. This season has been crazy, but the Ravens are in control right now. They have one game to win and they are a tough matchup in the playoffs. So we've both been getting deep into the uh, creative game, Adobe. Uh, we only have four days left to do this or so. We need a little Mad Dog 2020 situation out of you here. Oh, yes. Let's go. That's what I'm about. Jake's been killing the the uh, face animations, as you guys have seen on the Baltimore Beat on Instagram. Moving on, B-Rose931, our, <laughs> our, our sweet little depressed boy. How did Big Ben look bad against Cincy but look good against Indy? Why can't he just fuck off already? <laughs> Listen, I don't know if like today's performance inspires a ton of confidence in me that he's like somehow back all of a sudden, but uh yeah, that's just that's the Big Ben experience. Like the he's Colts gonna, didn't score a point in the second half. He's going to have a tough game and then he's going to, you know, make a whole big show about oh, maybe this old Cowboy's got to hang his spurs up after all. Oh my god, you're like, so right. It's like old old then he comes riding in on the fucking white night next week and he does what he has to do and it's just like it wouldn't be Ben if there wasn't some sort of fucking Sideshow going on every fucking week. That's what this guy does. He's old, the most secret sneaky diva that has ever existed. Old John and Wayne Roethlisberger. Just sports and anything. Fucking John Wayne Roethlisberger is what I've called him in, in private circles. And I, w- I will put it out there now because that is what he is. He is a fake and a fraud and a Teflon cowboy. And he doesn't deserve to wear He's the a damn spaghetti western. He is. He's great. Listen, he's a great quarterback, but it's all the theatrics. I'm, I'm good. I, w- I would love it. Yeah, like, I would love it. I would have so much fun with it if it were my quarterback. But, like, a, from the outside looking in, you know, come on. Hilarious. Moving on, Jim Dean. 
is it the offensive line or scheme for the improved run game the past past few weeks? It's it's both. Uh, it also has to do with Lamar being more effective, making people pay. The Ravens have started to use those jet sweeps a shitload, and I was a little whiny bitch this offseason about basically saying, you see Fox put the stat up. I feel like they lied. <laughs> it wouldn't uh, shock me with the- their, their performance today, to be fair. <sighs> they had a tough Don't game. They had a tough one. Don't even get me started. But they used, they said that the Ravens were second in the NFL in pre-snap motion. That does not mean at the snap. I know that the Ravens lead the NFL in at the snap motion. Someone's in motion as the ball is snapped. The 49ers were listed at 74% as first. The Ravens were listed at 70%. That is exactly what Warren Sharp put for the 2019. Uh, I was actually SIS, I think. I think he uses SIS numbers. But he put that in his book, and then they said that exact same number, and I just don't think that that is exactly the same. But anyway, uh, they use those jet sweeps. They use Duvernay. They use J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. They've expanded the running game scheme-wise. There's more counter mode, counter action. Teams were starting to really uh, – I, I love Nick Boyle to death, but the Ravens were really relying on Boyle and Ricard to be lead blockers in one way or another every single run play. Like every run play, the everyone was joking, follow Boyle, you find the football. Follow Ricard, you find the football. Now they're – using the more college schemes, the more college option schemes, the bash, those those so-called veers, where there are linemen pulling, there's a back going away from the poles or with them, and the quarterback is going the other way, which creates, I mean, pretty much most, I want to say, you know, not, obviously, I don't have some sort of actual number, but, you know, 80% of the time, you're going to be right as an offensive player. If you make the right read, you're going to have a successful play. Uh, especially when you have Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins doing it, who complement each other with the burst, the acceleration, the ability to make guys miss or, or play through contact in J.K. Dobbins' case. They make people pay and are able to, to really wait for holes and then just fly through them and, and break angles. So that's been a big part for, of it. But also the offensive line, man. Uh, ben Powers was inserted, and coincidentally, the Ravens' offense started to click on the run game a little bit more. I am a big fan of that. DJ Fluker has been playing at a level that I didn't expect possible. So a little bit of uh, crow for me to eat. He's been playing really well. His feet have been better. He's been more balanced. And maybe he just needed some reps on the field. Who knows? But uh, he's been combo blocking really well. He hasn't been getting eaten alive around the edges as a pass blocker. So I I think it's a, a combo of all those things. And Lamar has just been better since he came back from COVID. Uh not because of COVID, but I think maybe the rest, maybe a little bit of time off assessing, you know, what are you not doing that you could be doing? And frankly, it's it's using your legs, man. That's what makes you a quote-unquote generational player. So those three things in combination help a lot. And of course, relying on Gus, giving Gus a bigger role while giving JK a bigger role. Those two guys are, are ready to go. And they've proved that. This was an awesome rushing performance from those three. Indeed. Indeed. Moving on. Charm City Mo, what seed will the Ravens get and who would you rather see first? I want the Steelers. I want the Steelers first. I want that immediately. Steelers for sure. I don't have the scenarios in front of me, but I feel like they're going to wind up at six, which I think does get them the Steelers. Six and three. Yes. And yeah, that'll get that probably will be the case because the Bills will go 14 and two. The Steelers will go 13 and three. 
and the Chiefs will be 15 and 1 in all likelihood. Maybe 14 and 2 actually cuz they have the head to head over the Bills. Yeah, they, they have the Bills head to head. Bills have head to head. I want to say it's a divisional game. Yeah, Bills have head to head on Steelers, so yeah. Seems like it's almost and completely locked in. So. Then the other would be the Titans. It's basically no, Titans. The Steelers Chief. have the head to head over the Titans. It's Titan. I think it's Titans Chiefs Steelers are your kind of three that you're eyeing up there uh, that they could be facing. So Chiefs, I want absolutely nothing to do with. And no, the, the Chiefs games. are going to. The Chiefs have the buy. The Chiefs already actually have. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I don't. I don't know what I was saying. So there. it's going to um, be either Bills, Steelers, or Titans, and it feels that the Steelers are most likely. And who? Wait, the five. Who's ahead of them in the wild card? The Dolphins. Um. Yes. Right now. And the Dolphins are going to play the Bills, who don't need to win next week necessarily. Brownie, the Dolphins do need to win. So Brownies have the same record. They have, but they're lower right now. Um, Colts are still in it. So it feels like the sixth seed is is kind of imminent, almost. Almost, yeah. I think like looking at, I think it was like Yoshi and some people were talking about how that's kind of what what you're looking at is the most likely. For sure, and I like that because. I don't want the Ravens to be the seventh seed because that feels cheap to me because it's new and I am old school and I want them to not be the seventh seed. Yeah, well, maybe so, they should have just won more games. You know, they have no one to blame but themselves. Maybe they should have gone 13 and three and been the, the sixth seed. What do you think about that? What do you think about that head fuck? They should just, they should have just picked themselves up by their bootstraps. That's what I've, I've been saying privately. Oh, <laughs> uh, they really should have. Uh, but. Steelers feels like it is on like the stars are aligning for the Ravens to go whoop the Steelers a little bit and maybe not whoop, but maybe like have a really hard fought game and Lamar gets that one off his back and scores two touchdowns. and doesn't turn the football over. Banks, uh, Banks had a good tweet that the, uh, there, there are going to be two buys handed out and this was pre Steelers breakout in the second half, but like the, the two buys are, you know, the, the one seed, the Chiefs, and then whoever plays Pittsburgh in the first first round there. So They are without Bud Dupree, without Robert Spillane. Uh, they got Vince Williams back today, if I recall correctly. But Chase Young said Baltimore exposed some things. Moving on, Connor Hinnerman. What would it take for the Ravens to move up to the five seed? I'd prefer to stay six or seven. Uh, Dolphins lose and Ravens win. Ravens. The Ravens have to be the only team. The Ravens have to be ahead of the Dolphins. That's all, actually. So if the Dolphins lose next week and the Ravens win, that's what it takes. Moving on. Why not bring Tony Jefferson? They need a third safety. I don't. Do they? Don't? Kind of, yeah. Like what we don't know what Jordan Richards is. The the Deshaun Elliott hand scare thing uh kind of makes your heart jump and you're like, hmm. You want Richards in there, Jefferson, Levine, Jefferson. I, I mean, I don't know. It feels like they just don't want Tony Jefferson. Yeah, I feel like I if think. that was going, like, that's kind of my thing with that is, like, if it was going to happen, it probably would have already. That is true. I, I don't, I mean, I don't hate that idea. I wouldn't mind it. It depends on, like, if Tony wants to do that because, like, he, you know, he got let go by them. Like, is there any... I, I don't think there's hard feelings, but like, would it maybe be kind of weird for him I mean, to come he back? He's like openly rooting for the Ravens still. Yeah, yeah. I like from that sense, like I get that, but like, would it be kind of weird to like come into the locker room and like be a backup for like a couple games? Like, I don't know. Who knows? He uh, wants to yeah, play. We don't, like, we you don't know. know. We're not. We're not NFL players. We don't know what their freaking psyches are. I mean, he could be. You know, he's probably just chilling in San Diego right now, eating his wife's chorizo and eggs, and chilling with his son. So who knows? Stink. Shout out, stink. Uh, Jack Hone. 
Bills need to beat the Finns so that the Ravens can get revenge on the tits. Titans. Ah, <laughs> I was not sure where that what that meant. Um, sure, that's fine. Whatever. Ravens are gonna have to play the Titans or the Steelers. The Titans just so. give me such existential dread. I just like, that's a team I want nothing to do with right now. But uh, with the way the Ravens are playing, who knows? Another game where I mean, really, they live and die with Lamar Jackson. Man, if he plays efficient football, they win games. And he was not efficient enough against the Titans. He was not efficient enough against the Steelers, and they lost four turnovers against the Steelers. One of them doesn't you know really matter that much. It was a turnover on downs if he didn't get it anyway, but. Stupid interception. Just a couple, a couple, pass. couple dumb mistakes that lose them those games, and like he's he's playing Not better. He's playing better than that right now. So who knows? Yeah, I'm excited for a rematch because one of those is going to happen. Either way, moving on. B Rose nine thirty one again. How would you feel about adding Justin Simmons or Marcus Williams in free agency? Yeah, I think that's a really smart idea. Actually, Justin Simmons in came to a big deal, and you just have a two hundred million dollars secondary, and then they get fucking hurt, and then you, I, we all cry. But I actually do love that. Justin Simmons is incredible. He's going to get so much money, though, I feel like. So much money. Probably top of the market. Uh, that's what DaCosta seems to like, to invest in, in the secondary. But at some point, you kind of need to be able to look other places and be more balanced. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, I like. we don't have to get too deep into like off-season construction stuff, right. but like, I'm just so out on the idea of like investing big money into defense right now. I just want to juice this offense up as much as possible, especially along the line. Get some help at receiver. Let's let's start flying, you know. Like the- Plus, we'll see what happens with Luke Martindale. Uh, I feel like it's kind of tough to tough to see him in Baltimore next year, but we'll get we'll get to that bridge when it's time. Harder Swami, no jinx. Can Lamar get a perfect passer rating against the Bengals next week? Um, I mean, they just beat the Steelers and they played the Texans tough today. I think the Ravens are going to – I think they're going to little brother them and put them in a headlock and spit loogies on them. Yeah, I think so but, too. But Sure. Um, no, Lamar Jackson is not going to get a perfect pass rate. Maybe I don't know. I like. I don't think they're going to be throwing the ball like that. You know what I mean? Like I feel like this is setting up to be like a bulldozer type game. Yeah, they're going to like – they're going to be the the angry steam coming out of the nose emoji against the Bengals. Like, they're you're, like the your honor, my client is simply built different and they just go out there and just fucking steamroll them. Yes, like that, that is the shit I do like. Connor Cosgrove, what role would Duvernay contribute most to if given a bigger role? He would be the move, uh, the move H, the Willie Sneed role, where he go. That's when Willie Sneed went out. That's where he filled in. If the Ravens don't re-sign Willie Sneed, uh, he's going to take that role over. They like his blocking. They like him as a linear player. He kind of uh, bitch slapped me today because on the opening kick return, he just stopped, like hesitated, paused on it, and we just haven't seen a ton of wiggle out of him. We haven't seen him move side to side, move laterally, laterally, jeez, and laterally. It's a, a little Rob Lowe Low reference for you there, your guy. And he ends up getting a couple of punt returns, Prochet inactive, and people are kind of pissed about that. But I kind of think that's a good idea. Like, stick Duvernay back there. He looked better than Prochet. He is more explosive. He made a few guys miss. He had several really nice returns today, both kick and punt. And that kind of cuts down on Prochet, needing Prochet right now. If they're not going to put him in on offense, if you can be confident in sticking Devin Duvernay back there, then why the fuck not? 
Uh, if Chris Moore is uh, whatever about Chris Moore, but they love him as a gunner. They love him on special teams more than Prochet. If he's a better special teams player or whatever, uh, Chris Moore is a hardball guy and they want him on the field. Yeah. Prochet is like a very, for a rookie six round pick is weird to say, but he's like kind of a solid presence back there. You kind of know what you're going to get. And that's like either a fair catch or like maybe a 10 yard gain at most. Like with uh, Duvernay back there, it was, it just felt like there was so much more juice every time he had the ball in his hands and he's still kind of that upright runner. But I tweeted out that he runs with like this physicality and kind of this nose to like keep the ball moving forward that you really don't see. Power back that runs a four, three. Yeah. I mean, we've been comparing him to like a running back pretty much since he got drafted. And like that, that can be a bad thing at times when you're talking about a wide receiver who you need more out of like technically, but when you're talking about just in a, in a physical head of steam type role like punt returner, like that translates pretty well, I think. Right, I agree. B Rose nine thirty one. Why did the Ravens not start getting sacks till the fourth quarter? Also, I'm thrilled to see Mataboyke get his first sack. It's Mad Dog. We call him Mad Dog. Uh, they didn't start getting sacks because it wasn't obvious passing situations necessarily. I think they were kind of playing to make the Giants drive down the field. Started getting really aggressive and. I think because they probably started to understand the Giants' pass protection. I think they were playing a lot of half-man. Uh, that's why we saw some free rushers up the A-gap because there's that big space, the back fills. You can occupy the back and then slip a six-person past them. But uh, they they got home when they needed to in, in obvious passing situations. And, yeah, Mataboyke getting his first sack was sick. He is heating up. He is probably going to be one of their highest-rated PFF players again. Uh Nothing. I have nothing negative to say about Justin Matabuike's play. I have no negative words for him over the last month. Nothing. He's playing really well. It's a good pick. It's a good pick, dog. Good pick. good pick. Liked him a lot at AM. Good play. Good potential. Alex Smearman. Good pick. Good freaking pick. Good stuff, guys. Alex Smearman. Is the offense actually really good, or is it just the teams that they have faced over the past few weeks? They are really good right now. They are really good. Line play, I would say, is the number one aspect. The second would be Lamar Jackson being calm and decisive in terms of, I'm going to scramble. I'm going to tuck the ball. I'm going to go get upfield and get yards or chill in the pocket, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to scan calmly, and I'm going to take a sack if I need to. Uh, there hasn't been frantic energy. Until today, the, the freaking race against the play clock has not been an issue as much. It was good to see Lamar pump a couple times and get the clock reset. You can get that a lot, it feels like. Um, that's the, the old Brady special ask for it and they'll freaking give it to you. Cause they're not actually paying that much attention, but that is my only qualm. The receivers are all gelling right now. Willie Sneed quietly had a couple, I think one or two catches today and was fine coming back from COVID. Des Bryant gets fucking open in the red zone, like goal to go. He gets open. He is physical. He looks not like, does he look different to you than he did in Dallas in the red zone? Like I, I see the same kind of player. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, obviously, he's not getting like the same opportunities. Like in Dallas, it was a lot of fades. Like you're going to go one-on-one -on -one with this guy and probably beat him because you're just so much more physical and so much more fucking explosive. But like it is kind of a similar thing where he's as much as he was that, he was also like a technician and he also knew how to run himself open and like get to the post. And like there would always be these like post routes where Romo would just fire to him and he's like got a foot of space and he makes the catch and like Today he had like twenty feet of space, but like he, he fucking jumped for that ball too. He did, Mark and he got he up. got the feet down too. I mean, that's not something that you see from Ravens receivers all the time. He goes up there, right. grabs it, gets those feet down, 
just does what he has to do. No overthinking it. Just crisp. natural professional wide receiver play and physical presence at that. And I think Roman, you know, we mentioned earlier, Roman has expanded. He started to, he self-scouted and said, you know, I'm running read option. I'm running zone read option. It's not working. Pat Ricard is getting blown up. We're, we're basically telling defenses where we're going. Follow Ricard, follow Boyle. Uh, he has used play action on first down more. I was bitching about Mark Ingram getting too much run on first down. And that's gone now. J.K. Dobbins on those jet sweeps, on those options off of jet sweeps. Mwah, chef's kiss. Those are beautiful. And simply Lamar is just making good, decisive decisions. He is playing well. And that always helps. So I think the Ravens offense is definitely in the best place they've been all season. Hard to argue otherwise. Yeah, I think they are too. Um, it is just that decisiveness thing. And it's something that's hard to quantify and say like they've done X, Y, and Z. But I think they just got some some time under the belt and they acclimated to injuries. They acclimated to what they needed to do after a lot of weird turnover took place middle of the season. They've come back strong from COVID. And I think they're just a, a seasoned, more weathered kind of unit thing you were talking about like at certain points throughout the season. So I think they are good right now. And for all the talk about the teams they've been playing, this is a Giants team that just went into Seattle and, you know, oh, let Russ cook, like, you know, that whole thing. So they, you know, took care of business. Right. Like you just said, the Giants beat the Seahawks. It's a matchup league, so it's always different. But they're no, you know, they're no chump. Uh, they can do the any given Sunday thing for sure. They're they're a middle they're a middle of the pack team. So the Browns, I mean, Ravens put up forty seven on them, hung a forty seven burger on them. Eric, can't, we have one comment that I just love. Block eleven thirty four. He said all or he or she. I'm sorry, or they, it, then whatever. Um, block one one three four. All smiles over here, smiley face. I love to hear that. Same. I'm smiling too. Can you see? Smiles from the boys. Smiles from the boys. Eric Hansen, 92. This is a fun one, and I want you to go first, Jake. I'm going to try to read it slowly, and I want you to. I want you. I want to hear your bet, like a good answer on this one. I'll, I'll give you a couple more seconds and buy time after. It's I a lot of pressure, but okay. Who's team MVP so far? Mm. So far. Who far? Who's team MVP so far? Oh my god. <laughs> I can't, get it out. I can't do it. Who is the Baltimore Ravens MVP so far? Oh my God. <laughs> I can't say it. So far, so far, so far, so far, so far. Who? <laughs> what, is, now, what is so far? Me and Brandy know what are so good. Who's the team MVP so far besides Lamar? Lamar? So far, besides Lamar, um, <laughs> who you love? Who you loving right now? Uh, I'm loving John Harbaugh. Ooh, hell of an answer. Everyone wants to go with uh, the players, and you know, everyone likes to get their shots in on my guy, John Harbaugh, and he is certifiably my guy. Uh, but you know, not a lot of coaches are able to. Ride Coaching the wave. Is an underrated aspect overall, and that's a broad statement, but go on. It is. Coaches are not able to ride the wave sometimes. They don't have what it takes as a person. They don't have what it takes as a leader, and that is not a knock on some people. It's a high-pressure position. It is not easy. In fact, it is quite hard to be an NFL head coach, and that's where I just I get so frustrated, and like I know I don't always have a great argument against people that are like, oh, well, what does Harbaugh do? What is it like X, Y, and Z? It's like... <laughs> 
he's just like a special human being that like, and as much as like there is like an emotional wave where like maybe he, it's, you know, a little bit lower for like a team that's below them and they play down to what their is, level. What does Mike Tomlin do? And what does Pete Garrell, Carroll do? Exactly. And they all win. Like, I'll tell you what they do. They fucking win football games. They're all three the same coach. And like, they're not quite Belichick where they're doing that and they're putting the schemes together and it's do your job and consistency week to week. There is some GM duties as well. Yeah. And there's hiccups week to week. I get it. Like, they give up some games, but like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like if you're at the point where they're at six and five, they just have the COVID situation. Like, I don't know. Like, Harbaugh has, Harbaugh has account. He holds accountability over himself and over his coaching staff. And over players. I don't know if you and watch that. You know, we, we joke about the Harbaugh's guys, but those guys are probably the most accountable and They're, the most hardworking. Yep. And he they, they understand. And this is something that I agree with Vaz with, especially we, we always reference Vaz. He makes a lot of very uh, bold, bold and decisive takes that I love most of them. And one of them is, you know, like, fuck the culture thing. If you can't beat the Chiefs, the Chiefs don't give a fuck about culture. They want the talent. And I agree with that for sure. But there is a professionalism required to play football. Even in high school, man, if you don't know the blitz packages as a, I played linebacker and my junior year, uh, I, this is, you know, my high school stupid story, but I didn't really give enough effort early on my junior year, understanding our blitz packages. I didn't know what they all meant in the huddle and I fucked up assignments because of it. And I wasn't putting in the effort as a, you know, in a professional way. Obviously I was an amateur, but if you're not putting in the work, if you're not putting in the work off the field, if you're not conducting yourself as a professional at the highest level, you need to be held accountable for that. And, you know, that's why Dwayne Haskins right now is in a, in so much shit because he plays the most important position and, you know, he's do, doing stuff with a stripper, whatever, but you don't see Lamar doing that. You don't see Russell Wilson doing that. You don't see Rogers. You don't see Mahomes. You don't see Brady. You don't see any of them doing that shit in the middle of the season. You know, the day of a game, like they are, taking care of their bodies. Maybe, you know, the, not all of them are devoted to the film quite as much as everybody else, but they're not doing dumb shit like that. And that is something that is instilled by John Harbaugh. It's accountability. It's the leadership. It's, it's talking to them like men, having respect for them, um, creating a family-like environment. Like all that sounds stupid and movie-like, but that is what it is. It's, it's how you get guys to buy in and, and give their all and maximize their talent with effort. And I think that Harbaugh does a great job of doing that. The teams that the Ravens had in 2015 through 2017 were not talented teams. And they didn't make the playoffs, but they did not flounder. They didn't look like the Vikings do. Even that 2015 like, team, like they they do that kick six and like Kendrick Lewis, who was like a bust of a free agent signing, is like running onto the field crying, hugging Harbaugh, and they're like, five and nine it's like no like there's no other coaches i mean there's a few maybe but like no other guys that engender that type of respect and passion from their players and there are drawbacks to the approach like there's like i mentioned the trap game thing that can happen when you're riding an emotional wave as opposed to a belichick and do your job type thing but i don't know i just think a guy like you talk about adversity that's a guy who was born to weather adversity and i don't know if you watch this clip that i put on twitter before the weekend of the 2012 ravens uh, super bowl dvd thing from nfl network I got a little bit of it here. Let me see if I can pull it. No, we've lost three straight games. All we had to do was win one so, more game. And we this is him, like, after that win in the locker room. And, like, this is, like, you'll listen to it, and, like, maybe it's, like, kind of corny shit. I get it. But, like, this is the type of stuff that, like, I think is impressive. And, I like, mean, you, hear, you hear him on the sideline, the way he's talking to the players. He's talking to them with so much love. And it's so his heart. It's like totally his heart on his sleeve. It's his heart on his sleeve. He's, like, this 
like Rockefellerian, like older, like kind of like wise men. It's like very interesting. And like I found this in particular to be like something that I was impressed by. Remember three weeks ago? And here's what it said. One in spirit. Can you read that? Yeah. I wrote it fast. Okay. After that loss, one in spirit, one in purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Look, not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Be a servant, be a leader, right? That's what this team's all about. That's what you men are all about. That's why you're champion. No, like, that's like scripture shit. And he just wrote that down. Like, I don't know, like for no reason, like what other coach is going to do that? Like, and I, some people might find it corny. Some people might find it like, you know, kind of preachy, whatever. Like, I don't know. I love that shit. And I'm sure the players do too. And I think that's like, he's probably doing that throughout this season. Spiritual. Like it might not be spiritual in the sense of like Christianity or Judaism or any other religious belief, but there is a spirituality of football. It is impossible not to feel at certain times in the way that the game works. And if you've ever been on a team and you buy into a team, which I assume a lot of people have. And if you haven't, then I feel bad for you. But like, w- no matter how cynical or like dried up you are, like that shit fires you up. At least does for me. I don't know. So like, I got, I I give- got I've got goosebumps thinking about it. Like right now, here's my arm hairs. They're they're standing up. They're exactly. standing up. I love that. That's why I love football so much. I think it does that more than any other sport. Uh, the the camaraderie that is formed in such a freaking weird way through the gladiatorial kind of violence of the sport like the amount of passion football practice fucking sucks some days football practice sucks some days if you don't feel like practicing you get your shit rocked no matter who you are and you have to dig down and it pisses you off and you get back up and it is a microcosm of life when you don't feel like doing it you get put on your ass and you have to get back up or you'll keep getting put on your ass and as you know you and i are in our mid-20s we're we're turning into adults like most days shit goes wrong. Like pretty much every day of my life shit goes wrong and I have to get back up or I get put on my ass again. So I love that part of football. I think that John Harbaugh is very aware of that and the spirituality of it, the the special, there's just like this special way that he has of connecting those players. I think it was Dan Pompey of The Athletic who's probably my favorite actual sports writer right now. Um, I, I want to say he's great. Yeah, he did the uh, the Hayden Hurst article for Bleacher Report a couple of years ago. He's he did the Lamar article for the Athletic. Uh, he's he's awesome. I want to say it was Dan Pompey. I'm not 100, percent but he wrote this article. Basically, there was a misconception that Harbaugh is a player's coach, and guys like Bernard Pollard, Ed Reed, basically, I guess any Raven safety early on, haha. But they were like. Basically, fuck no. He was not a player's coach. Brian Billick was a player's coach, and that is why the Ravens fired him. They want, The locker room had too much. There was not checks and balances between Billick and the locker room, and Steve Bishotti was not cool with it. And I don't think that it's uh, a big deal, you know, crazy big deal, but they bring Harbaugh in as a disciplinarian, as a leader, as, you know, not the X's and O's guy that Brian Billick was, but as the the delegator, the dictator, the the the, the freaking judge, uh, the to check the locker room back out, and guess what happened? They ended up winning a Super Bowl, and he has morphed into a players' coach. And Jimmy Smith is kind of the one guy who's still around that uh, has had significant playing time. He was a first round pick. He obviously has a interesting perspective because he's had a lot of trouble uh, in his own personal life, and and the Ravens have really stuck with him through it, especially the the incident with his, uh, I believe, you know the the his baby mama, the, the children, the mother of his children. Um, he had an incident like that and the Ravens stuck with him. And and he basically said the same sentiment, like, no, he was not a player's coach. Now he is, he has changed. He's basically self scouts. You know, he, he's less intense. 
the way he talks to Lamar, the way that he hugs, the way that he has love, the way that, you know, he probably carries himself with his coaches that way now a little bit more so. And uh, I think that can be to a little bit of a fault. We see him finally yelling at freaking Greg Roman to get the plays in quicker. But, like, overall, he just connects and keeps guys on the straight and narrow and keeps the path. He he is a leader. He is, you know, the the one clearing the path with a machete so that you can walk. And I love John Harbaugh. Yeah, so that would be my answer for MVP. I know it's a little bit out there and like maybe a nuts and bolts like player answer, maybe like a J.K. Dobbins. But like other than that, like I, I don't know. I just feel like Harbaugh has, has got to be my answer there. I love that one. For me, player-wise, I'm going to go with Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, I believe that he has really stepped up. We have not heard his name in a negative connotation. He is consistently, he's been pulling a lot, sealing some holes, no pass rusher, you know, has gotten the better of him at all lately. He is not he Lamar's been dandy with Orlando Brown as a blindside protector. With Ronnie Stanley going down, he needed to step up. He was not playing really well. Uh, he was playing at like an average, below average level at certain points. Early on, he didn't look like he was in the best of shape, and he has rounded into tip top form. Uh, I wouldn't say he's, you know, I wouldn't say he's not playing at an all pro level. Uh, he's been really consistently playing well. So that's my my pick. And that does it for the IG questions. I think uh, one person, I think it was the, the Bear guy, maybe Yogi Bear, asked if Lamar's going to hit 1,000 yards rushing. I think he's 92 away. He's getting, with, yeah. he's getting 91. I'm going to go a little Herman Cain 999, like I said on the uh, the other show. Love that. So he's uh, 92 yards away. I'm going to go with, yeah, I think he hits it. I think he's going to. In all, in all seriousness, game. yes, I think he will. I feel like this is going to be a run-heavy game against the Bengals. Um Okay, jumping over to... He, also torch, he torches the Bengals on the ground. <laughs> yeah, they... Yeah, tough scene for them he, against him. He had 150 on them last year. And then in the other game, he had the the number one highlight of the NFL season last year. And then this year, I don't think he ran on him much, but he was kind of being hesitant. Yeah, also kind of a rainy game. Um, Seth Gutman, first question on Twitter. Uh, the Jets owed us after the Ryan Mallett Steelers game in Week 16, 2015. I was thinking about that a little bit, too. Uh, I'm glad they came through and paid us back. I hope Ryan Finley brings extra ice with him because these boys are hungry. One more win. Agreed. Are they going to be starting Finley or that Allen guy? I do not know the answer to that question. Okay. We'll figure, we'll figure it out. We shall see. Uh, Corey Potts. How do you feel about the open field tackling? I felt like Anthony Averett and Williams missed in a couple tackles in the open field. A little bit, yeah. Queen I didn't really too. recall the ones from Averett that much. I felt like he had a couple... I think he got. I think there was like two tackles he had where he kind of just came in hot and blew up underneath the legs. But Tremont Williams, yeah, he's not not playing at a high level, but he's better than like the usual street free agent for sure. Yeah, Stewart Shock uh, is Adam Gase a football genius? Uh, I gotta go with yes. Yes. What Joe Flacco, elite quarterback. Adam Gase, elite coach. What an absolute asshole that guy is. Uh, Wookie Nookies, is Dez back? I think Dez is back. I think they found a role for him, and uh, I'm pumped for seeing how they continue to utilize him down the stretch here. Wouldn't mind seeing him in a Ravens jersey next season. Wouldn't hate Dez coming back. Uh, he, you know, we talked about Harbaugh. Harbaugh has been very big on Dez lately, and I, I agree there for sure. I would like to see Dez back. Ravens have plenty of red zone options in the passing game all of a sudden, and that's exciting. Hollywood's really started to uncover too. Yep. Yeah, Hollywood has played well. Rob, uh, PS5 owner, uh, congratulations. Uh, he just says the health of the secondary. So I think they're in a good spot where they were able to just win those games. Some guys were banged up. I would assume Peters is going to be okay. 
And uh, I don't know. I think they're they're peaking health-wise. P-I-Q-U-I-N-G. Uh, Jordan, um, what was the deal with the drive where they had three straight sacks, but the drive still ended in a touchdown? What's the, what's the deal with the drive with the three straight sacks and then it ends with a touchdown? Why is Justice Hill going after the guy's nuts? You can't be doing that. George! Elaine! Kramer! Kramer! Why are you coming in across the hallway like that? You almost hit me like Justice Hill hit that guy in the game! Kramer, my ridiculously hot girlfriend got freaked out! I, but it doesn't matter, though, because there's going to be another one coming in next week, even though I wear oh, mom jeans and New Balances and white guy, uh, you know, Play-Doh button-downs. I diner, but all I date are tens. <laughs> That's the life of being a comedian, I guess. Oh, we're kidding. What was the deal? What was the deal with that? that? <laughs> I didn't realize like, so he asked that and the I didn't Ravens quit on that drive. They were like, Fuck yeah, this okay, game was we have over. To cut back out. Fuck this. They had like three penalties that drive. They just wanted that one over. They were like, the, that was the emotional wave of the game. They were, they emotionally sacked Daniel Jones three times in a row and were beating their chest so hard they couldn't breathe anymore and had to come back on the field. Yeah, that was a, yeah. Uh, Jason Allen, you have to talk to Tony Gonzalez at halftime having no clue as to the Ravens' playoff chances. Yeah, what the fuck was that? That was so weird. Yeah, he says, makes it made me think I was crazy Googling frantically for the duration of the break. Also, this was not a big game. I mean, this kind of was a big game. But like, I was like, they're the best team in the NFL. They're not going to be in the playoffs. I was like, what? Terry Bradshaw was even confused, and he was like, I just pooped my pants. What? My mom was confused. I was like trying to explain it to her, and I was like, I don't know if even he knows what he's talking about. It was it was weird. That the Fox halftime show or pregame show, Terry Bradshaw can't name more than three players on any team. Freaking <laughs> Tony Gonzalez and Michael Strahan are just like basically, they're basically each like one third. Oh of man, come on, Dag. Now we gotta name the players on the different teams that we got coming in here. We got Miami Dolphins going up against I'm the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, his he actually fires some fits off that Peaky Blinders had or something. Michael Strahan. I say by the order of the Peaky fucking Blinders. Six of Alex Rodriguez. I fucking hate both of them. Neither Who? of them know a goddamn thing. Michael Strahan and Tony Gonzalez are like these wannabe A Rod types, where they like think they're some sort of like mogul or something. And I know Michael Strahan does Good Morning America, whatever. I'm sure that's great. People watch that, I guess. But like, they don't say anything of any like. They are the worst of the worst of football media, like the worst. Yeah, Gonzalez is like just a, a pretty face, basically. And then like, I don't know. I got. I I always am gonna have love in my heart for Strahan as a fellow uh, Gap Tooth boy. But yeah, kind of kind of a tough scene from the both of them today. Their their Fox sh- show is. I get so, I get too mad. I get aggressively mad because of it. Jordan 10 out of 10 Seinfeld. Thank you. Just hit me up on Twitter. You're welcome. Uh, Zeke Batman, what are the formalities with turning the practice facility into a hospital? Who could possibly say? Is that what's supposed to happen? I think he's kidding. I don't know what's going on. I think he's like making a joke about health. I, I don't know if this one landed. It's okay. We love you, buddy. But ZJ Batman is the man. We love you. Yes, we do. Um... Ben walks. I feel like every time Jihad Ward plays, he makes a play. Also, do you agree with the benching Prochet for Chris Moore? Chris Moore, total hardball guy. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, Jihad Ward, I feel like, does kind of make plays. Yeah, he does. He brings a lot of intensity. Uh, 
He's mobile. He's a mobile athlete up front that can play in between the A-gaps if you need to. He was a nose at one point, I think, in Oakland. Uh, he was, like, kind of initially supposed to be a nose, which was weird, and he wasn't. Like, your nose needs to be fat. I don't care who you are. But uh, he's mobile, man. Yeah, I like having him in the rotation. I think he should be on the active roster and get, you know, 15, 20% of the snaps. I like having Mataboike and Ward on the field over Williams and Wolf and Ellis and really anyone else on third down. Like, in non-passing downs, I want Ward and Mataboike. They're mobile. They create pressure. Yes. They're fresh, too. Uh, Ravens burner uh, with number one seed locked up and minimal home field advantage. Do y'all see teams using week 17 to find a favorable matchup in the first round? Mm, I don't, uh, I don't know. I feel like you just go for the highest seed. Like I don't (laughs) Yeah. I think you do. I mean, there is a benefit to the highest seed. If the chiefs somehow lose, then you get the home game. So yeah. And like you just go for whatever, whatever the seed is the highest. I feel like you're just going to go for that, that you can get. Uh, Orioles haiku. Why does Daniel Jones look comfortable under pressure, but doesn't avoid it very well? This game could have been different if he's still hurt. Yeah, I think it's that. And I think, I don't know if his like internal clock is all the way there either. I feel like he's kind of an erratic player. He's very, uh, yeah, he's very erratic, very turnover prone. Uh, Could have had a couple today and didn't. Ravens burner chimes in with could Lamar or any other player who had COVID get put on the COVID-19 list for close contact. I think probably because you can still be a carrier, right? Uh, I think you're not supposed to be contagious after 10 days, but I I don't think the doctors even actually. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I have any idea of the answer. Yeah, who knows? Um, basic poi. What's the official word on what we're calling Tyree Phillips's fumble recovery and first down run last week in the Jaguars game? I'm partial to the fumble and the rumble, but I haven't heard too many ideas. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't really thought about that. What was that one again? What is the official word on what we're calling Tyree Phillips's fumble recovery and first down run last week in the Jaguars game? I'm partial. Like an elephant, something elephant. Use the word elephant. We'll think about it. Okay. Uh, Lamarvelous. <laughs> Getting deep here. Uh, okay. With the different possibilities being Dolphins win slash Browns win equals playing Steelers. Dolphins win slash Browns lose equals Bills. Dolphins lose slash Browns win equals Titans. Dolphins lose, Browns lose equals Titans. Can we all agree we are Dolphins fans next week and hope the Bills are resting? Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, I definitely. So let's, let's, let's see the Ravens go back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, please. Shane Spicer, what do we collectively have to do to keep Chris Moore off the active roster? Uh, Chris Moore is like, it's like Rasputin. He's just always going to be there. Chris Moore, I mean, what is Prochet doing? If, if Duvernay can come in and immediately make an impact in the return game and Prochet is not an effective gunner, that makes sense to put Moore in. Okay. Okay, so you have just privately texted me, not to air you out too much, but your laptop is running low, so we're going to run through I'm, these. I, I'm in the Outer Banks for New Year's. I'm not fully situated. I have my recording situation. I did not plug the laptop, laptop it's okay. in. So let's, let's wrap this bad boy up. Cool. So, yeah, okay. Okay, sorry, we're not going to get to the YouTube comments in that in that case. Uh, actually, I do want to know, what is Spencer's highest level for organized football? It's high school, right? Uh, just high school. I tried out for Towson and got, you know, I was like, fuck this, no. It's unfortunate. Okay, well, 
Anyways, appreciate you joining me here, bud. Uh, running close to an hour and 20, so nice nice little length there for a recap show. I like that. Uh, appreciate everyone tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed it very much after a, uh, another nice Sunday here. It's nice to have some good Sundays following a, uh, a tough month there in November. Uh, Ravens currently on the inside, not looking out. They're looking forward. So they got to go to Cincinnati and get it done next week, and we will have a preview show for you guys later in the week as we roll in towards New Year's. I, your boy off work all week. I'm extremely excited about that to just kick my feet up a little bit. So be doing that. Oh, yeah. yeah. You'll be doing that down in uh, the OBX as well, but uh, we'll be, we'll be getting some content out to you guys uh, in short order uh, for that preview game. So stay tuned. Appreciate you, you all tuning in. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to us. If you have not already, wherever you're getting your podcast and leave us a nice little uh, rating and review wherever you give are. Us some, give us some reviews. We haven't gotten any in a while. Let's, yeah, it's uh, been a little while. reviews gone. The boys need it. Give, us those, boys out. give us those five-star reviews and uh, leave, leave something nice. Uh, appreciate everyone tuning in. Follow us on social media, please. You can check out the show at Podcast Beatdown. You can follow Spencer at Ravens for Dummies. I am at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Uh, until next time, Arrivederci. See ya.